You know, the, uh, there's a statement in the book of Isaiah, precept upon precept, line upon line. We've heard it so often. We can quote that. And it said, here little and there little will the Lord speak to his people. And uh, this just came to my mind this morning that uh, the Lord talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you, but he talks to me in that way in that sometimes his conversations don't sermonize. In other words, he'll start something four weeks ago, and then a week later, he'll be adding to that and, and building upon that. And then I'll realize, oh, he was saying that because he intended to say this. And so it's a progressive conversation with the Lord. So I accept that, and I believe in that. And so... My particular, uh, if there's such thing as a method of ministry, is more of just waiting on his conversation on the things that he wants me to talk about, or he's wanting to just talk to me about. And for the last month or so, it's been on evangelism in many different forms, in other words, my engagement in people in the public, uh, not just fellowshipping in the body, but my engagement with people on a regular basis in the public. And what I mean by regular, I mean just about every day, every day. And I'm, I'm so, I'm thrilled with it. I'm content. I'm happy. I remember standing in a service one time, having just shared a, an encounter uh, that was so obviously God-ordained, it would be like Philip being called out of Samaria to go rendezvous, he didn't know what with, but to go out into the desert at the Lord's beckoning, commanding, leading, and then having out there a guy who had been in Jerusalem and now crossing the desert and they rendezvous. And I, you know, we, we have experiences like this that we realize, wow, that was ordained of God that moment. And the way we connected in, in that situation. I remember saying after I shared that story, I want to do this every day. I am not content to wait another month for some situation to happen like this. I want this to happen every day. And the Lord has made provision for me now to do this every day. Now, I can't tell you how much I'd just like to talk about that. But since I arrived here this morning and was in the prayer room, the things that the Lord's putting into my spirit, they don't witness with that. And so... I want to be obedient to the leading of his spirit. We, we Don't we pray? Not my will be done, but thine be done. And so we must have sure direction. We must be 
strong in that direction, but we must not resist when the Lord wants to lead and direct or, and I want to talk about that for a minute. But first I want to share something because the Lord checked me in the prayer room. It's, it's important to lead our children. It's important to teach our children. Deuteronomy 6.4, one of the strongest scriptures of teaching our children, okay? But I want to share with you an encounter that my son-in-law had and told me about. He was, he was in a conversation. He said he knew some people that were a couple in the church, and uh, they were very engaged when he had met them a couple years ago. And they were involved in Bible quizzing. And he remembered how intent they were when he met them the first time in Bible quizzing. Uh, I don't know all the dynamics of the family, but they were children there, and they were the age to be Bible quizzing, and they were very uh, they were very committed and they were very, I think I want to use the word strong. And so the man and his zeal, having they visited again at a later date, let's call it a year later, and the man and his zeal whips out his phone and he says, look at this. And he looked at it and he said, there was a young lady sitting in a chair and quoting scriptures into the camera. And he said, to tell you the truth, it looked like a hostage situation and they were being interrogated. And the look and the presence and the demeanor in the young lady who was quoting the scriptures looked like a scared prisoner. You've got to be kidding me. Nope, that's what I saw. And he was boasting about it. Now, here's what's interesting to me. Some six or eight months later, they weren't even Bible quizzing anymore. I'm, I can only relate to you what he relayed to me what he saw when he looked into the camera, but he's a sensitive man. And the fact that they were so strong at one point and then they were just completely out of it one point speaks to me of instability. I remember sitting in a, in a conversation with Brother Kenneth Haney years ago, just an opportunity that was given for a moment. And he said to me, avoid extremism. Now, not was he just a, a good man, Brother Kenneth Haney. I believed he was very wise and very discerning. And in the things that I was discussing with him, that one word was probably one of the most important things he could say to me in that moment. Avoid extremism. 
And of course, to, uh, in avoiding extremism, we would find ourselves with balance. You know, don't go off the edge that way and then off the edge that way. Now, I've been out on the edge a time or two. I'll admit that. But I've lived long enough that God's brought some balance into that. Okay? And that's what we want is uh, maybe, I don't know if balance is the right word, but I'm just going to say the same thing that he said to me. Avoid extremism. To me, what was relayed in the pictorial of that image of that young lady looking into that camera and quoting this scripture was extreme. I want, you know, it's always been our desire as parents. When, when children reach the, the age of the, making their own decisions, they're living on their own, they're, they're making their own decisions. I want them to make the decision to say, yes, Lord. And live their lives for the Lord or in relationship with the Lord and not have circumstances in their childhood that the moment they could escape, they're escaping. And I've seen it through the years. And our, our children are precious. And just put that in your pocket somewhere. Just put that in your pocket somewhere. I want so bad, I may, I may, I may, I don't know. I endeavor to be sensitive to the Lord and follow his leading. And what I have come to learn is you don't always know which way he's going to go. In life, we can presume because maybe doing the right thing is the right thing. Okay. But I, I felt this morning, because a couple of things the Lord's re rehearsed with me going into this, that I want to talk to you about this. We put ourselves sometimes under pressure to witness. Now, I want to witness. I want to witness every day. I want to witness to many people. Every opportunity. But I don't want to make my own opportunities. And I don't want to put myself in a position where I'm under pressure to say something. Now, I've, I've, believe me, I've heard enough ministry that has convinced me it's my responsibility. The spirit of witness is upon me. I received power after the Holy Ghost came upon me. And I am a witness. Now, I may be a witness in my, how I live my life. And in the words that I say, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm making this comparison and this contrast of, you know, you got a new person that walks in and uh, they sit down and you think, uh-oh, they're in for it because they sat next to, and they're going to let them have it with both barrels before they can even get to the altar. Because somehow that person is living under so much pressure that they've got to tell them whatever they see. They got to tell them this. They got to tell them this. They got to tell them this. Ha! And then when they're done with that, 
it's off their chest. Can't say they're necessarily concerned for the individual and their future and their response to God, but they got it off their chest. Okay. But yet I, I've been in scenarios where I've been with a person and I'm and I, I'm I'm wanting to, again, I'm wanting to be available to God. I want to witness. And so I have put myself under pressure. Say something. What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? Uh, mm, uh, and then when I do finally speak something out, it's like a gun. <laughs> and they're dead. Or they've got they're left. They're gone. They don't want nothing to do. What in the world was that? <laughs> you don't want to live that way. We want sensitivity. And there is there are places in Scripture where the Lord said, the Holy Ghost will give you the words in the right hour, in the hour. Now, he was speaking to his apostles at one time and said, they're going to bring you before courts and magistrates, and, and you're going to be called on to speak. Don't worry about what you say. The Holy Ghost will teach you in that hour. Okay, so I'm taking in that principle that the that I can wait upon the Holy Ghost for right words. Right words. Now, what if the Holy Ghost says, stop, don't say anything? But, but what? Are we driven or motivated by the cause to the place we can't hear the voice of the Lord? His sensitive, quiet nudge or ah, breaks. Now, for whatever reason, the Lord gave me a couple scenarios, a couple situations to help me with this understanding before the next stage of what he was going to take me into, which was a lot of engagement, knowing when to speak and when not to. Wait a minute. It's always right, right? It's always the right time. Today's the day of salvation. Now is the acceptance. Come on, you can pull the right scriptures if you want and force a scenario in a, in a conversation of witnessing trying to help somebody not knowing, look, the Lord's got more invested in this than you do. And we can trust him. We can trust him. But we have to be sensitive. Sensitivity to the Lord, I believe, comes over time. You can call it practice and exercise. Praying in the spirit helps me to have sensitivity. It doesn't force it, though. But listening helps. I remember the day when I stopped turning the radio on, Christian music, on the way to the church for prayer. Because I didn't want to hear anybody else. I wanted to hear him. And so I began to silence the things around me so I could hear better. Well, that's not changed. I, I mean, I listen frequently once in a while, but just not all the time. So, I don't know if I've shared this. doesn't matter. I'm going to share it again. I listed some tires for sale on Craigslist. 
A man from Portland contacts me. He says, I will drive up from Portland and get those tires tonight after work. Portland, leaving at five, puts them up there. Man, I'll be tired. Okay. And then I think, I can shorten this up if I drive to Olympia and meet him. I will drive to Olympia and meet you. Oh, fantastic. Great, great. So I'm sitting in my chair, dressed, ready to go. Six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock. And no call, no response. The guy has disappeared. What was that all about? And so another person contacts me from Mount Vernon. And he says, look, I don't have the money today, but I need those tires and I will come down on Saturday. It's on Tuesday. Is he serious? He wants me to take these off the market. And But listen to me now. I'm trying to be sensitive because it's been a pattern now that God will use these situations to put me in the company of people. So the situation that I thought was going to play out, that disappears. And then this other one comes in such a fashion, I've got to make a decision. And I say, okay, I'll hold him till Saturday. He's going to drive down. We're trying to figure out him ways to pay me and all this stuff. Okay, so. I'm going to prayer on Saturday with the other guys at the church. And while I'm praying, the Lord puts on my, I'm praying for this guy. And the Lord puts on my mind, Eric Gonzalez. Now I know two individuals up in Mount Vernon and no, the Lord points at Eric Gonzalez. I text just to make sure, Eric, do you live in Mount Vernon? Well, I'm close. I'm across the river there, Burlington, I guess, what it is. Okay. Thank you. And I believe the Lord is showing me as I'm praying that the Lord is going to reach out to this man and Eric Gonzalez is going to engage with him. Uh, this is just, you know, the, the video camera is rolling here. And I'm seeing these things taking place as I'm just praying there at the church. Okay, okay, okay. This is good. This is good. So now I'm going to meet at 10 o'clock up at Home Depot in Federal Way. This man who's drove all the way down from Mount Vernon. I'm ready. I'm, I'm feeling the inspiration of God. And I'm going to tell him whatever the Lord tells me to say. And so I'm waiting in the parking lot, excited. Car rolls in, truck, I mean, he pulls up next to me, and I get out. We start talking, and God goes, Hurt. don't say it. Don't say nothing. And I'm thinking, this is my only time. Now, I'm not saying these things out. These are, this is the real that's running in my mind. Wait a while, we were praying in the church and you gave me this inspiration and I'm meeting this guy. We're going to leave and party. He's going back to Mount Vernon. I'm not going to see that again. And you're saying, shh. You gave me Eric Gonzalez's name. You said contact him. Put him in contact. I get back in my car, he gets in. I said, what, what, 
what's that all about? And then maybe get it through. Maybe all the way here. And that night, I get a text from the young man. Larry, you're not going to believe this, but I took them to Les Schwab, and they said, these are passenger tires. You can't put them on that truck. Would you give me part of my money back? I will drive back down and meet you. And I'm thinking, I will give you all of your money back. Come on back down and let's meet again. Because at this point, I don't care what's on the back. This was my created moment. God creating me a moment with a man. So he, when he meets with, oh, the first time he met with me, he told me, I said, I, I tried to find you back in the messaging. And, and he said, oh, that's my brother. And that's my brother. And he said, I got three brothers and my dad. We all live there. And I'm getting this picture. God is going to touch this family. From brother to brother to father, the, the Lord has got a plan in this family's life. This is a significant individual. Okay? So, we meet again. Ice cream parking lot. I grabbed the tires. I put them in my car. I said, can I tell you a story? Sure. I said, last Saturday when we met, I was at the church early in the morning praying, and the Lord spoke to me, spoke to me about another man, Eric Gonzalez, and I felt like he showed me that you two are supposed to meet. I would like to give you his contact information. I'm not going to have him call you, but I, I want to give this information to you. I have his, I called or, or reached out to Eric Gonzalez and said, send me a picture of you and your wife. He did. And so I shared with the man this contact information and this uh, picture and got back in my car and drove away, thanking God. I didn't violate the moment, the Saturday previous. You know, you know, when, you know, David made some foolish decisions and one foolish decision led to another foolish decision, which led to another foolish decision. And he was in a bad way. But God knew that he could send Nathan, the prophet. In the right moment, the right day. A man in David's position and having engaged in the things that he had engaged in could very quickly and would very quickly with his position in power say, you're out of your mind. I'm not, I'm not hearing what you got to say. He's even been embarrassed. But God, knowing the right moment. See, he knows if David would have turned it this direction and been rejected, or if he had fallen on his knees and said, I am the man. I am the man. Help me. Pray for me. And which is the course of what happened. 
the eunuch in the desert, you realize that he had left Jerusalem. All the rest of the apostles, the disciples, the apostles anyway, they were at Jerusalem. He left there. Why didn't the Lord use one of them? No, he had a rendezvous with a specific individual with a spe at a specific time. Open at a specific page in the scroll that he was reading. Though when we say, Lord, order my steps, I'm telling you, he wants to order every half step. He wants to timing to be perfect. And he is perfect in his timing. Well, that first, you know, it was bewildering to me because I thought, no, 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 you sent me here to meet this guy. And now you're telling me to hold my mouth? Hold my peace. Don't speak. He's going to drive away. And then a week later, he gave me the moment. It was his perfect timing. He knows the dynamics of the people's lives. He knows what's going on in their frame of mind. He knows when they will hear what you're ready to say. He knows this. Okay. So I'm getting ready for something one day, and I look in the mirror. I don't like those long hairs hanging back there. They're going to hang over my collar. I didn't, it's time to get a haircut. I need to get a haircut. Three days later, I'm at the house with my wife, and I forget what we're doing. I said, hey, honey, I got to get a haircut. Before I go to the youth convention, I got to go to the, I got to get a haircut. I'm going to, she says, what about that guy running around the corner over there? Good idea. Two blocks away, I'm going to drive over there. I'm going to walk in. It never looks busy. And so I drive over there, and I walk in. I say, uh, you got any openings? She said, actually, no. <laughs> it's you and the guy in the chair, and you got an opening? I didn't say that. I'm only thinking it. Timing. So I walk out the door, I get back in my car, and I think, I have driven by a place on 6th where it, he had, there was a sign on top of the guy's vehicle parked along the road, and it said Great Clips. And I thought, I don't think that's a real Great Clips, but he's trying to make people think it is. And so I drive to the place, and then I reread the sign, and it says great cuts, not great clips. It doesn't matter to me. That was the one that came to my mind. I'm going to this barbershop. I walk in. There's four or five guys sitting there. Got any time? Oh, yeah, just have a seat. And so I have a seat, and I'm... I'm watching, I'm listening. Interesting thing is, while he's cutting, you know those mirrors, the place was empty. He's looking in the mirror, but he's looking at my eyes. I'm sitting in the corner. While he's talking, he's looking in the mirror and saying what he's saying, like he's talking to me. And I'm nodding him, you know, giving him the high sign. And we go on, and finally, I get in the chair. And as I sit down, words come to me. We just moved into town. 
I don't know if I planned those words or the Lord planned those words, but I knew that statement would bring a follow-up. What brought you to town? Well, it's ministry. It don't take me long to get there. I get there really quick. <laughs> and so he said, what kind of a church? Catholic? Uh, no. I said, Pentecostal. He said, you know what? Me and a buddy walked into a Pentecostal church one night. He said, I'm sure they're not all the same, but, you know, they were bouncing around like popcorn. And, <laughs> and then he said, a guy, a guy came up to me and he said, don't be afraid to go up to the altar. He said, and I said, well, yeah, we're not all the same. I'm thinking, yeah, we'd have done that same thing because we had known the conviction that we were feeling and you were feeling and you resisted it. Okay. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. We get the haircut thing done. I've said, oh, oh, get this. So, John, you take credit cards? I don't see a symbol anywhere. Uh, no. Cash or checks. But then he says to me, but I'll cut your hair, and then you can just come back later with the money. Okay. When I get out of the chair and head to my car, the Lord says it wasn't his time. In other words, his visit to that Pentecostal church, it just was not his time. Now is his time. John is now my barber because I have prayed for he and his wife now for several weeks. I know it'll be at least two weeks and I'll be heading back into that chair and he and I are going to continue the conversation. Now, again, about timing. He, he entered a Pentecostal church somewhere. I'm not concerned or care about any of the dynamics of that except the voice that said to me, it wasn't his time. Now is his time, and I have sent you there. That's why you didn't have success at the first barber. We got to quit separating our lives from our walk with God. If our life is but a vapor, we don't have time. We don't have time to live our life and then visit the church once in a while or visit a walk with God once in a while. Paul said, don't walk after the flesh, walk after the spirit. I take that serious. I think as we pray and follow his leading, he'll lead us every day walking in his spirit. And he has a purpose and a cause. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Come on. He's not willing that any would perish. But still, timing Timing is important. I can't be at the wrong place at the right time. We cannot be at the wrong place at the right time. We don't want to be at the right place at the wrong time. Now, it's not a big mystery. Uh, we don't, you know, where do you want me to go today? <laughs> I was thinking about Subway, but if you want me to go to, who's the John sandwich? Give me John's. Barber in my head, John the barber. 
So whose idea was it to go get my hair cut on six? Was it my idea or was it the Lord's idea? Who cares? It's the outcome. It's not such a heavy thing, but we can know that the Lord is ordering our steps. And all we have to do is recognize and acknowledge the moments. Okay, I'm picking up on this. I can see where this is going. Let's go. I left the house in the middle of the day one time. I don't remember where I was headed. Oh, I do. I was going to a funeral. It was, I still had an hour and a half or something. And so I might have shared this here already too. I don't know. This is all running together for me. I think I'm going to turn on the app. I, I could, you know, if it's an airport run, I could do that in an hour and still make the funeral. That's how I have to weigh out when or not to, if it turns into an airport run. Most of them don't take that long. And so anyway, I turn it on and uh, I get a ding and it's just mm, a few blocks off to the left. Huh. I roll in. It's, it's 10 o'clock in the morning. Young man comes out and he says, I'm late. I said, really? Do you want me to pick up my speed a little bit? He said, oh, no, I'm two hours late. Okay, no problem. And so we start down the road and in a conversation and, you know, I give him my card and we start talking about church and he's Filipino. He's talking about the Philippines and all this and his family. And, and uh, he said, I was thinking about going to church, but he says, man, churches are getting sketchy. <laughs> Tell me more about that. He said, well, I was standing outside of a church and they have fenced the whole place off. He said, this is what he said to me. The homeless have taken over so many places. They're making the churches sketchy. Now I can identify with that. I visited a church in Tacoma a few weeks ago. And when I walked out, there was a man right outside the door screaming to the top of his lungs. Help me, help me, save me. Well, he was just trying to get any kind of attention. And he said, last week he was there. He slit his wrists. So there are extremes happening everywhere. So anyway, this young man's telling me churches are sketchy. He doesn't know if, if he should go to church or not. And so, again, we're, we're, I'm, I'm listening and I'm sharing what and only I feel like the Lord wants me to say. I'm not giving him the whole Acts 238 Bible study. I've done it. And so I have my time with him and I drop him off and, you know, I'm gone. The other morning, I got up late, late for me. I got up at 630. I said to my wife before I went downstairs, I don't, I think I'm staying home today. I'm not going out. And I get down, I make coffee, I'm sitting in my chair, and I start praying. And as I'm praying, I'm feeling this ever so gentle nudge. Get in your car. You got an hour and a half or so? Get in your car. Babe, I've changed my mind. I'm going to go out for about an hour and a half. Timing. 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 
I get in my car, I turn on the app, I drove down the street, ding! I know that name, I've seen that name before. Hmm, okay. Oh yeah, I know this house, been here before. It's the young man from two weeks ago. Now, listen to the, let me tell you the change now. Now, all guesswork is taken away. Now I know this is an appointment and God is reaching for this young man. I don't care what God tells me to say, I'm going to say it. I mean, I try to do that always anyway. anyway. But I know this is going to be more direct this time. And so it was. And by the time I got to his job, he's talking about, he says to me, three of his friends reached out, wanted him to do something. And he said, he just had this feeling he shouldn't do it, that he should do something else. And he said, maybe it's time to go to church. And I said, listen to me, I'm going to be out of town. You text me if you want a ride. I said, I'll arrange a ride. He said, okay. Now, I didn't get a text. I'm not concerned in the least. If the Lord wants me in his presence and company again to continue this reach, he'll arrange it. He'll order our steps. Now, the peace that I felt to share that is pertinent for today, I have to let him say, don't say nothing now. Don't live in the venue of whenever there's a chance, whenever you get in the company, because you know what you can do? You can drive people further and further and further and further away. The Lord may have already been drawing them. You don't know what the rest of the life is. You don't know the rest of the words that have been heard or the thoughts that have been entertained. And so when God, you know, wants to be reeling somebody in, sometimes the way we approach people just drives them further and further and further away. And I'm going to go back to the situation of the Bible quizzer standing in front of the camera and a father who thinks he's doing the right thing. And I am telling you, I could almost place a bet. It saddens me because that's the kind of hurt that a child can have that they can't get over much of their life. Or they'll carry that baggage with them all their life. Even if they do press through and reach to the Lord themselves. Every soul is precious to God. You know, you hear people when you're younger. People like to joke. Some people more joke more than others. They jest, they joke, and every, they make everything a funny. And so it's easy for them when they see somebody because of their appearance, how they look, their shape, to make a funny out of them. You know, I've come to the place in my life where all I see in people is genetics. Who they are, what they are, for the most part, was given to them by genetic coming down from three generations of people. And so it, may, it matters nothing. When the Lord looks at an individual, he sees a soul. 
He doesn't measure them. He doesn't qualify them. If they're breathing, why would the scriptures say, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. So if a person is lying even on a hospital bed and breathing, that's life giving glory to God. We want to get caught up in these quality of life conversations and arguments. And I see a God that sees a soul and he holds the clock. Well, they're keeping him together with machines. He has the clock. He has the clock. And we can have a confidence in that. I'm not sure why the writer said he knows the, the number of hairs on your head. For some, it's a quick count. But he knows, you know, the, of course, the expression is the detail of a person's life that he knows. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Somebody told me the other day, that hat looks good on you. It looks like you have a full head of hair. Yeah, well, that's not my motivation, though. I just want to stay warm. Well, I hope this has been real. I really wanted to read these scriptures. But I think you know. Before I turn this back, could we, could we stand together for a minute? And let's pray together in agreement. Father we, Father, we trust your leading. We trust the leading of the Holy Ghost present in our lives, the quickening of our hearts and our minds, the words that would proceed out of our mouth. We believe and trust in the ordering of our steps the timing of our day, when to go, when to speak, when not to speak, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Every soul being precious, precious to you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we're thankful to you, Lord. We're thankful to you, Lord. We're thankful.